The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello, everyone. What? And welcome. Why are we starting like that? To Why another aren't episode we? of Ask Off. No. Why of Off Track. I haven't done an intro are. in a long time, guys. What's up? <laughs> welcome to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I am not Hinch. I am definitely not Rossi. And we don't know who this third guy is. He keeps showing up. He ignored but our he... text messages all morning. Dude, I, <laughs> I was just I thought, having a I thought, pleasant morning I with my family. Tim was drunk, honestly, on a Monday morning. <laughs> so here's here, like, we were trying to juggle the recording time. We're not doing our usual Tuesday at 1.30 with a Panera sandwich program. Uh, we're doing this one on Monday, and the time was kind of bouncing around a little bit. Alex and I were texting, and then we saw each other in the gym, and then we're texting again. And we knew that it was early-ish, and so Tim probably wasn't up yet. And then Tim did get up and responded to one or two messages. And then in a separate conversation that I'm in with Tim, he was rep- replying regularly while back and off track, we're like, no, wait, we need to change the time. We need to do it right now if possible. Is that okay? No response. Other text message, blowing up with Tim replies. Hey, Tim, <laughs> I can see you replying in the other text, Jade. Can you please reply to this? No response. Multiple replies to the other text chain. It's like, what is happening? I, they were coming through. Did the other did the other text chain have to do with? I, I give me two guesses. Was Marco okay. in it? No. We can actually does, talk about what the other one is. Does it have to do with some sort of um, vacation? Nope. No. So Ironically, it has to do with off track. It is an off track related text chat, which. Oh, uh, Alex, you were left off of because uh, somebody made the decision that you were going to get annoyed with all the texts until we had the details sorted. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't need to be. Oh, is it our live show fighter. thing? It is. Yeah. It is our live show. Which yeah. I'm really right now. Really Although glad they, you left me off that. Yeah. Jo- it was Joey's we know you, call. We so know you. Joey and Connor, they released their episode earlier in the week than us. So they'll have already announced this by the time this airs. But yeah, we're doing a live show with Speed Street, with Joey and Connor, May 16th at Sun King downtown in Indianapolis. Uh, what time are we doing that, James? I think we're doing, uh, the show's going to start, I think at 7. Uh, I think we're going to do a meet and greet early. So there's two types of tickets. There's GA, and then there's VIP meet and greet tickets, and there's limited availability of both. There's only 50 tickets uh, GA available and 20 meet and greet tickets available. We will post uh, the link 
for Can we the make invite. the meet and greet tickets like like three available? <laughs> make it's it just a, us. Like, like no, no, we cannot. No, oh. we cannot. We're, uh, well, 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 can I buy? Can I buy all twenty? Of sure, them? sure. Yeah. If you want to because, do that, cool. Because the ticket sales are going to go to James. Stop and Go Foundation. So we have a uh, a fun charitable element uh, going to Stop and Go Foundation. We've got the two hottest IndyCar podcasts in town. You mean teaming up? The only two? No, dude. There there's are other lot. IndyCar podcasts. We're just we're the only two with IndyCar drivers, right? And and I said in town specifically because I feel like some of them aren't based here. But dude, I was on. I forget what app I was searching on, but I was looking. I don't know if I was looking us up or something else up. There are like a like a inordinate amount of IndyCar yeah, podcasts got, that I do not know Pit about. Lane Parlay, Turn Four Podcast, Marshall Pruitt's podcast, and like those ones that I'd heard of. Then there was like another five, yeah. six, seven that I hadn't. Yeah, there's um, um uh, Fast Cars, Fast Girls. There, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Anyway, two of your favorites, guys, are going to be teaming up for a live show, uh, May sixteenth. It's a Monday before we get going. Uh, for no wait, yes. The Monday yes. before, before we get going, going for practice. Indy 500 practice. Right. Yeah. So after. The so game. in all seriousness, when do the tickets go on sale, guys? Uh, they're they're going to be on Let's sale Friday. Friday. tomorrow. Yeah. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this, Friday, uh, whatever day that is. I think that's the 6th. Uh, and yeah, there'll be a post. We'll do a post with a link to the. <clears throat> wow. That was aggressive. Do you want to know what's funny? I muted myself and then I didn't think it was going to come. So I unmuted myself and then it came. You time that. You time that very poorly. Sorry, it still, it still hurts a little bit. Ow! <laughs> that was uh, wow. wow. <laughs> Gee, golly, gosh! I. Uh, you know, it's um, funny. It's like it's already hard to modulate Alex's audio because he, Alex, you have a tendency of where you're talking. You kind of like look out the window and talk, and you get quiet. <laughs> so it's already kind of hard to do yours, but but when you have a random spike like that, it's gonna just it all up for me <laughs> make well, it even worse that's cool so now i'm gonna try and sneeze every single episode as regularly as possible and i don't um, understand how looking out the window it actually puts me even more into the mic because so, you're you thinking about it right now you don't do it like this you do it like this you know like, yeah, yeah exactly it's all right well um this i not a so, that is, that is very true. For like 18 different reasons. Speaking right. of that, how proud are you guys? <laughs> how proud are you guys of me? My laptop's charged. My internet was plugged in. Everything was ready to go by the time yeah. we got going here today. That's because you had 25 minutes to get prepped waiting on Tim. That is that did help. I'm not gonna lie. I was just having like a very pleasant coffee with my mom and stepdad. I yeah. <laughs> we didn't know they were there. <laughs> It wouldn't have really changed our approach. If I'm no, you would have just because... called them and been like, "Hey, t- tell Tim to answer his phone." Tell your dumbass son to answer his phone. Yeah. Uh, so, like, just to put things, this is to put in perspective how cool Tim's mom is. So when he wasn't responding, we eventually just group Facetimed him to see if he would answer the call. Because again, I knew he was holding his phone. He was replying to other texts. <laughs> I cannot understand. I cannot overstate that. So we called him, and he answers with the cheeky line of, did you guys accidentally start this FaceTime? I have no. never gotten an intentional FaceTime group call from a text group. It's always somebody just hits that icon in the top right corner. That's and fair. then you're like, yeah. That's fair. But So we uh, we saw, he showed us that he was enjoying a coffee at home with uh, his mom and stepdad. And Alex screams out, hey, Joan, 
tell your son he's a dick. <laughs> and without skipping a beat in the very eloquent way that she does, she looked and she goes, Timothy, you're a dick. Yeah. Didn't even didn't even hesitate. Yeah. I, you know, I'm the youngest of four. She's not that uh, not that precious with any of us at that point. <laughs> it's weird that I'm her favorite Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and James is her favorite Bernard, and he's not even a Bernard. <laughs> oh, guys. So when we were down in Kentucky, I picked up this little gem, big Ooh, big nice. Blanton's guy, and this is a candle in a Blanton's bar bottle thing. Mm. And it smells like a rickhouse, and it's just – it's incredible. Did you get one of these, Alex? Did you buy I one I did not. But I actually – so this is a – and a little educational lesson. So, you know, when we go down to Kentucky I do. and you have all of the kind of discoloration that's on all the buildings, which is the angels share evaporation and it kind of the sugar blends with the humidity and it forms this kind of black tar almost um, on all of the buildings. And we always think all oh, that adds a little bit of character to the to the place. And it, it, it's how you know you're in bourbon country, right? I read this article and it, and it makes a whole lot of sense that um, all of the neighboring homes and subdivisions and you know people that live there also have to deal with this program. And it's a very, very stressful thing for them because it's technically like a, a mold of sorts. It's not a dangerous mold, but it is a mold. Yep. And they have to like power wash their homes every three months to like get the black off. And a lot of these homes that are there, they're, you know, your factory workers and your you're kind of your your lower middle class type types of homes, you know, your two to three hundred thousand dollar homes. And these people are having to spend one to two thousand dollars every couple months. Every three entire, months. Yeah. And it's like really, really stressful for them. And so they appreciate they're not complaining about it because they understand the jobs and they understand the what it does for the economy of you know, Frankfort, Kentucky, ultimately, and, and, and the entire state of Kentucky. But they kind of took it to the local court and it actually got all the way to the Kentucky Supreme Court of looking for some sort of subsidy or some sort of help yeah. from the yeah. bourbon, bourbon companies that, that are ultimately causing this. I mean, that feels it, fair enough. It does. And it was a hard no, which is, I mean, I guess typical of big business, but it's just something you don't even think about. You go there as a tourist and you're like, oh, yeah. this is an amazing smell and it looks cool and everything. But people that are there and live there, um, it's kind of a hell on earth for them. So I just thought that was. So what you're saying is that by lighting this candle, my bar will now just be covered in black mold. I did not. No, no. That's what not I took all. from that. That's, That's what, what I took from that. 100%. Yeah. Uh, well, then I guess I guess I'm okay. I guess I'm I can get the benefit of the smell without the detriment of the mold, which is great. Mm. That's fantastic. All right. Guys, Honda Grand Prix of Alabama was this weekend. I'm not sure if any of you tuned in. I certainly hope that you did. To me and my colleagues on NBC to watch Alex and his colleagues drive around the beautiful Barber Motorsports Park for 90 laps. I'm going to be honest. I missed about the first half of it. Well, then you caught the most exciting part then because most of the, most of the action was in the second half. Yeah. It was, it was an interesting race. So Alex, why don't you cover your particular day and then we can kind of dive into some of the broader picture it's topics. Gonna be, of the it's going to be hard for me to con cover my particular day um, because I still, 
don't understand what happened. I'm, I'm a little flabbergasted as to what the actual <laughs> took place on Sunday. Um, we qualified fifth. You know, a huge effort for those that don't know. I um, made a mess of things in, in practice, too, on Saturday morning. And with the lovely IndyCar schedule that we have, um, there was about an, two hours between practice and qualifying. Um, and so it put the put the team in, in a very difficult uh, position. I ended up having to get a new gearbox, new motor, new rear end. Um, fortunately, I didn't touch the front, but somehow broke a steering column, which is fascinating to me. You broke the steering column? Yeah. They had to replace the steering column on top yeah. of all that stuff because that's yeah. not a that's a that's a that's a time suck of a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, big big time consumer. But there, um, you must have had front end contact. Oh, I sure didn't. Yeah, fascinating. Really, really surprised me. I think like my correction was so big. And I'm so strong that I just snap steel. Yeah, that's super not it. That's super, super not it. Wow, that's just unrelated. Have you uh, have you checked in within your family on Krypton lately? Are they doing well? Yeah, no. I mean, they're fine. Um, so, anyways, uh, a huge effort. I mean, there was guys. Uh, I mean, we see this a lot in IndyCar paddock, but it was obviously you never hope it's you, but it was it was amazing to see the display of guys from Colton's car, Devlin's car, Roma's car, management, HPD guys. Like it was at one point, I think there was like 18 people that were, that were scrambling. And and it's amazing to watch the, the kind of coordination that exists on things that, I mean, this isn't something that's practiced. This is just something that everyone kind of a, chooses a, a little quadrant of the car and just goes to work on it. And they know how that specific quadrant works and then they prep it and build it and it all ends up going together. So a, a huge effort for, for them to just even get me to qualify. And so we were, we were pleased with getting a result on Saturday um, and then started fifth. We, there was really two, two options for the race, a two stop or a three stop. Um, we knew that, you know, fuel mileage and, and such was pretty, pretty easy this year. So the two stop seemed interesting um, so we went down that route and ultimately that was, that was the strategy that won the race. I think the three stop had a, a period of time that was looking really, really good. Um, before that, that, that the one and only yellow came out. Um, and yeah, for us, we were kind of fifth and then fourth for the first half of the race, kind of just matching the pace of the leaders and first two thirds, really. Yeah. Two thirds of the race and and just minding our own business and hitting the number I was given. And then I was a little confused that when I pitted, no one else pitted. So I was a little concerned about that. Um, and for the because, last stop there for the last stop and, and because Barber, um, which is kind of new this year, it was a little bit like this last year, but the, the new tire. well, after they repaved the track and the new tires at Firestone brought, it's actually a, a negative dig track. So what that means is actually you, you gain performance as the stint goes on because you're losing fuel load, whereas usually, you know, there's a tire drop off. Um, so what that means is the overcut, meaning you stay out on track for one or two laps longer. Um, when the people you're racing against pit usually works out well, because you're still going really, really quick doing theoretically the fastest laps of your stint. 
while someone's on cold tires, full fuel, trying to, to get up to speed. And so for whatever reason, we were two laps short um, of, of the window that, that other guys made it to. And so what that meant is not only did they, did they beat us on the overcut, but it also meant that they had a lot more fuel to burn um, to get to the checkered flag. So we, we ended up finishing ninth, eighth, eighth. Eighth or ninth? Eighth. Anyways, much farther back than fourth, which is where I think we we were, you know, should have been a pretty easy result. So we're going to have to look into that, understand why that was. Ultimately, um, the car was great. The team did a good job, obviously, with what I said we had to deal with on Saturday. Um, and yeah, my teammates created some some excitement for the fans out there. They sure did. Just a little they bit. They sure did. In different ways. Colton Herta was... <clears throat> he was on the three-stop strategy. All right, so, okay, so now we'll kind of break into the whole race a little bit. Uh, Joseph Newgarden qualified seventh. Colton qualified tenth. Uh, Colton certainly, I, I, I may be Joseph as well, Colton certainly was caught out in qualifying by that red flag. You know, yeah. he had the pace to be a little further up, certainly. So they knew they had a good car and wanted to roll the dice a bit. Joseph was on the same strategy. So those guys... Uh, were the first two to start on the primary tires and committed to a three-stop almost right away. And it was kind of working out okay. Uh, They had a lot of clean air after that first stop and were making a good amount of time up on the leaders. You know, it's never easy to to claw back the extra 30 seconds that you're going to lose in a pit stop, but they were doing a pretty good job of, of, making a dent into that. And if you're going to be the eighth guy doing the two stopper, it's probably not going to yield you a huge result anyway. So you got to roll the dice. They tried it. And then right at the worst possible time, a yellow flag came out. All the two stoppers had just done their first stop and the three stoppers were about five or six laps away from their second stop. So that meant you had to pit under yellow. They lost all the track position right to the back, which should have set up for a very boring second half of the race because now everybody was on the same strategy and it was uh, still kind of hitting a fuel number to make it. But with the tire difference, we saw a lot of people struggle on one of the tires or another. It was interesting, actually, that some drivers really liked the black, some drivers really liked the reds, and struggled on the other. So Colton went on an absolute tear doing what Colton does, coming back through the field and passing heaps of cars till, uh, till one misjudged attempt on uh, McLaughlin in turn five spun him around. He lost a bunch of track position and, and kind of put a halt to that. Um, yeah. He got around Joseph. Joseph couldn't really keep up with him pace wise and, and passing wise. And up front, Pato got around Renus who had led the whole race up to that point on that last stop and just sort of drove away. So the race up front wasn't particularly exciting for the last 30, but watching those guys cut it up in the middle, there was a lot of action in the middle of the field. Alex, you were involved in some of it. Uh, you had a couple good races with Colton, actually, near the end there. And then Grosjean was also a three-stopper that got sent to the back and decided to go on a tear up through the uh, up through the up through the grid. And it was going pretty well. And I mean, it went pretty well. I think I don't know where he ended up. I think he ended up seventh or eighth. Yeah, eighth. he was just in front of me. Yeah. Okay, ended up eighth, uh, but not without a little bit of controversy. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's say he got into it with Ray Hall. And there was some contact that was questionable for the first time. And then 
got a little worse the second time. He, it looked like he almost turned back into him intentionally. Now he now he maintains there was it was an overcorrection, right? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, it doesn't really matter. the The video says a very different story from whatever he claimed initially. You know, on the radio, we heard radio transmissions from both guys, and both were fuming, blaming the other at the time. Post race, Grosjean had changed his tune a little bit and kind of just said, "Yeah, it was tough racing. We bumped a little bit, but no big deal." And I mean, ultimately, there was no damage to either car. Nobody spun out. Nobody lost any positions. So that is kind of true. Uh, the, the problem is though that. There was one hit that was, yeah, I mean, Graham gave him a ton of room on the inside of five. Grosjean used all of it and then some and, and got into the side of Graham's side pod pretty good, like a decent size hit. And then while accelerating out of the corner, seemingly in a straight line, he just sort of opened his hands and drove into him again. It's, it's weird because if it was intentional in any way, I don't see what the gain was. Like, I don't see what a driver in that position would have thought, oh, well, if I just lean on him here, this would happen, which would be good for me. Like, I don't understand why somebody would do that intentionally, I guess. Could it just be angry? Maybe, for sure. Um, And like, he almost actually spun out because of it. It was was definitely more to his detriment. So that's why there's an argument for it wasn't intentional, but man, it, it looked weird. So... And this this came up this came up on air during the show. You know, Townsend and I were talking about it. Looking back at the Graham Grosjean situation, a do you think IndyCar should have gotten involved or should retroactively get involved? And if yes, what kind of what kind of reprimand would you want to see? I don't think they should get involved for that incident because ultimately Graham didn't lose a position. There's no penalty for that. What what give the position back? He never got the position. Like what right. are you supposed to do? Right, hundred percent. But it's just it's so it's so weird when you see these other penalties that you get. Like I, I know it's a different situation, I guess. But when I look back at my 2020 Indy 500, right, and I brushed Takuma's front wing in pit and uh, leaving pit lane, and I get sent to the back of the field, it's just like I I don't understand that one. I can say it's it's a very different scenario in pit lane and they have okay. different rules in pit lane than oh, on the racetrack for, for sure. So I'm not saying I, you know, I agree with how it all played out, but I understand where their thinking was, I guess. Right. Right. I mean, I, yeah, maybe, but you're right. I mean, at what point do all these like relatively innocent things add up to like, okay, man, we need to at least sit down and have a chat about this because you're right. Like I, I said it, I said it yesterday. I don't think IndyCar shouldn't have got involved in that. But to Graham's point, he's like, yeah, but now at some point I'm going to repay him. And if they penalize me for repaying, then that's going to be an issue. And, you know, my only point to that is, well, okay, you've got to be, it's got to be eye for an eye, which means you're allowed to bump into him, but he can't break anything and he can't spin out and it can't cost him any positions. If you're able to do that and, and you feel like it, then yeah, fine. But like, what does that do for you? Yeah. So it's 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 a tough it's a tough situation. Like if well, I'm Graham, I mean, I'd go find him outside the car and have that conversation face to face, and maybe be able to sort it out there. Because in the I car mean, is not the place to sort maybe out. It, maybe it's maybe it's a, I mean a tactic. I don't know. Maybe he's trying. Maybe it's his way of trying to intimidate people. Well, so because here's the thing, right? So I think back to what happened with um, with Colton and Scott McLaughlin. So down into five. I want to say a lap or two before 
Colton, you know, he came from far back. He took a good lunge at it. I want to say it was alternates against primaries again. So similar sort of thing. Obviously more grip for, for Colton. Uh, Scott Som coming, rode the rim in turn five, got the better exit and kept the position. The next lap, again, Colton came from pretty far back and Scott turned in a lot more normally. There wasn't quite a full car width left, so Colton did get his left front up on the up on the curb, maybe even under the grass a bit. And so when they did touch, his car was a little already unsettled, and it just spun him very slowly around to the inside. If Scott had been, or sorry, if Graham had been on the line that that Scott was when Colton attacked, um, when Grosjean made his move, I mean they 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 both would have been probably out on the spot. Like the the speed difference was so great. And I so, yeah, didn't see, I didn't see it. So, yeah. So you're, yeah, I'm just saying like in, in Roman's position, he's putting a lot of faith in the other guy to not to, to know that he's coming from pretty far back. So, I mean, it, it is an interesting, I mean, we're four races in, right. It'll be interesting to see how it develops. I mean, IndyCar is always begging for these rivalries. I mean, maybe, maybe that'll come. Maybe it'll be X versus him. Maybe it will be the entire field versus him. Like who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah, I mean, anything is possible at this point. And I mean, we're going to Indy GP next, which certainly provides a couple corner combinations that uh, that allow, if not even encourage that sort of side by side wheel banging behavior. And, you know, again, like a little bit of rubbing, if it if it doesn't affect anybody, doesn't break anything, you know, it, it looks good on TV and it's it's good hard racing. But man, it's a we're not driving cup cars. You know, there's, yeah. there's a very, very fine line. Rubbin ain't racing here. Rubbin is not racing. Well. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Can't talk about NASCAR guys because they haven't finished yet. They got rained out. And like I said, we're, we're doing this on Monday. So not sure what's happened in that world or happening in that world. 
Uh, but coming up this weekend, a very exciting event for North American Motorsports as Formula One crashes Miami for the first time. Alex, you're going as a guest of Auto Nation, I believe. You're muted. Sorry, guys. I am going. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you looking forward to said event? Uh, I am. I'm really excited. I, I, I hate to admit it, but I'm, I'm very excited to go. I'm excited to see the the chaos that, that comes with it. I'm excited to see the production that Formula One's going to put on. Um, I'm excited to see some old faces. Um, but yes, going with AutoNation, it's their first kind of involvement um, with an F1 race. So myself, Elio, Simon are all going. Um, and it's going to be a, a really cool weekend, I think. When you say the the chaos, are you saying that from an on-track or an off-track standpoint? Just Off-track standpoint. Okay, so yeah. just because it's a first-time event, it's a street circuit, yeah. it's set up in a part of town that is not built for this, and... Yes and no. Like, so I mean, I the stadium's actually, there. I but... actually didn't know this, but there, there's they, the grandstand seating is only 60,000. So that is exactly what they get at a Dolphins game. Um, so I, I do think actually the traffic flow will be super manageable. I just think, you know, first time events. Yeah. But are, re- remember some of those roads are shut down. That's a really, really good point, James. Yeah. And, and those 60,000 people aren't all sitting in kind of one block. Yeah. They're going to be spread out. So it's you a, it's what? a different type of that is true management of those people mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's street circuits are notoriously difficult to pull off and, you know, famous for first year issues. Uh, so it will be fascinating to see. I haven't really looked a ton at the circuit layout. I'm not sure if it looks anything like a good race or not. I haven't looked at it once. I have no idea about how, anything. How many, how many F1 races have you been to in the last like five years? In the last five years? Well, like, let's say, let's say since, let's say since you left F1, how many have you been back to? Probably six. Okay, so you go to you go to Coda most years, I assume. No, um, okay. <laughs> just shut me up. I've been to Coda twice. You assume wrong. Um, I went to went to Austria, went to Sochi. I went to Singapore, and it'll be this one. So yeah. So what was the last one you went to? Austin. Yeah, because like Singapore and Sochi, that was that was a while back, right? Like 20, 2018, 2017. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a long time ago now, James. Yeah, I guess it yeah, yeah. does that up, doesn't it? It's pretty crazy. Um, um, so, yeah, so it's going to be a great weekend. I think Max is going to win, no problem. Um, he's usually pretty good at those, you know, new new places they go to. Red Bull seems to um, have a fast race car, and they just seem to be a very talented group of individuals. So They sure do. Yeah. So I'm speaking of Max Verstappen, uh, I read an article in a magazine this weekend in this article it was talking about it was it was probably a month old magazine or something in this article it was discussing his new contract extension yes and we all heard that it's you know a million years long and for eight hundred thousand million dollars but one of the things that i thought was super fascinating okay there was there was two there was two points first of all max had two years left on his existing deal Okay. He then signed what was effectively a five-year extension. So he's got a seven-year contract right now. Okay. He was being paid 
$33 million a year in his old contract, which again, still had two years on it. For the five years afterwards, obviously for a new contract as a world champion, you're going to ask for more money. It was going to be $55 million. But Red Bull, because it's a kind of a brand new contract for that first two years of the new deal, which essentially is the last two years of his old deal, they gave him full freight. So they spent an additional $44 million that they probably didn't have to spend on this deal. Same. Now, so you sit there, you're like, why would a company that already had him locked in at 33 and was locking him in for two years down the road, 55, you know, for five, be like, yeah, let's just give him, let's just spend another 22 million bucks a year for two years, just because. The next part of the article goes into how Red Bull last year had the largest year over year sales growth they've like ever seen for for like an established company, for a company that size. They sold 2 billion more cans of Red Bull than the previous year. And internally, they looked at all their marketing efforts and everything. They're like, there is no other explanation than the Red Bull Formula One team and Max Verstappen winning the world championship. There was nothing else that they can think of that they did any different over the last couple of years that would have seen a 24% increase in their sales. So let's just say for the sake of argument, the margin for them wholesale on a can of Red Bull is a buck. Because Max won the championship and didn't perform all year long. They made an extra $2 billion. So you know what, Max? Take your chump change, $44 million. Thanks for your service. Let's carry on and keep racing. How mind-boggling is the economics of Formula One? <laughs> I want to know. Crazy. I want to know how. Okay, Red Bull already has a, a massive corner on the energy drink market. Huge. You know, they were they were first to market. Huge. They spend the most amount of money in marketing. No one orders a monster vodka. Sure right? don't. At a club, it's Red Bull vodka. Rockstar vodka. Nope. How do you then go and sell two billion more can? Like because that's is that new energy drink consumers? Because it, it has to be. It's got to be. And so is it just F1's growth over the last year or two years is that big? But that it doesn't. These people haven't heard of Red Bull before. <laughs> and I can't imagine watching like Red Bull win a championship and be like, you know what? I want that drink. Now's the time. Now's the time. Let, me get, let me get that heart attack in a can. But like, let's remember, let's remember Sebastian Vettel won four of these. Right, but he didn't have a television show. That's what I'm getting at. Like, it's Drive to Survive literally... But the biggest market for Drive to Survive is America, and the largest market for Red Bull sales is already America. And they're saying their largest sales were during COVID, which is when most of the clubs were shut down. Because do you know, I know this for a fact, that 44% of all global Red Bull sales go through Las Vegas. That is both shocking and completely expected. Forty-four <laughs> percent. Forty-four percent go through just Las the Vegas. city of Las <laughs> city. Vegas, not the state, not a country, not a continent. It's like yeah, forty-four percent of our sales globally are in Asia. Forty-four percent of sales are in 
one uh, town. Forty-four percent of our sales are in a city that shouldn't exist in a desert. Forty-four <laughs> <laughs> yeah. percent of your sales happened within, oh like, conservatively a six-mile radius. So my question is, in like twelve hotels. My question is, <laughs> where did the extra two billion cans come from? Or go to man, my my manager Don Rohr, He drinks uh, he drinks his fair share, dude. I, I don't know. Too. <laughs> Usually <laughs> together, yeah. I, yeah, no, I can't. Uh, I I don't know. I can't fathom that. And like they said, like it's unheard of for a company with that kind of market share that's existed for that long to see that kind of growth. I don't but like. But here's the other thing: from a business standpoint, you pretty much have to be prepared to be disappointed next year now. Well, yeah, I was just thinking that well, because the so amount of people of that it, try them are going to be like, nah. Right. Well, yeah, and so much it. of their success is out of their control. Like like you said, it's it's not that Max won a championship. It's that Max won a championship while on Drive to Survive. And, and, and well, and remember, Max didn't even participate in Drive to Survive. Yeah. Right? So but, it, and it was what, it was a thrilling championship battle. It was very like... There were two sides to that, right? You were either a diehard Lewis fan or a diehard Max fan, and like it was a very sort of divisive championship fight. Maybe that fuels it a little bit. You support your driver even more in that sort of situation. Maybe that's why, like when Vettel was winning, they didn't see something like that because Vettel sort of just swept everything back then. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I just found that incredibly fascinating. All right. Well, insane facts about Red Bull aside, uh, I'm still not going to drink uh, Red Bull. Oh God, no. Uh, we have a couple asks, ask Alex's for this week. Oh boy. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first one's kind of a short one, but, uh, it's kind of funny. So, um, hi, Alex and James. My 24 year old niece is a huge IndyCar and off track fan. She watches every test practice qualifying and race. She is single and cute and fun. And I think it would be awesome if she could meet a guy with IndyCar connections. Any advice? Any advice on how a California girl could best find an IndyCar dude? Move to Indianapolis. Um, I'm just going to send back Connor Daly's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> um, fair. Yeah, I mean, I feel like moving to Indy is probably a pretty solid start if that's what she's looking for. It's an aggressive move. That's an aggressive move to date somebody. It's an it's an it's an aggressive ask. That's true. I mean, you guys race in California. Obviously, nobody on the podcast is single. I don't know. Wait, is everything still good with Becky? Yes, Tim. Sorry, and just remember, when your girlfriend needed help, she came to me. <laughs> just remember that, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of advice on this one, but I guess move to India. How does she watch a test? Peacock, bro. Heard that didn't work too well this week. All right, look, the post-race show on Peacock was <laughs> facing some technical difficulties, and that was out of our control. There's nothing that any of the, the people on the ground at uh-huh. Harbor did. This was a this is another issue. I, I mean, think if it I is had now, to rate it from 1 to 10, maybe like a P9, does that sound right? 9 out of 10 is pretty good. <laughs> he said P9. He was trying to, yeah. He's trying to be clever there. Came up a little short. Um, I'm not which is again what animal. which is what Liz was telling me when she was over here seeing yeah that. so <laughs> um <laughs> uh yeah I don't know I I would I would say like no I mean like, your guys's advice is cute and all 
This is called Ask Alex for a reason. Let's you're right. Start, you're right. You, you don't need to move. You need to do your research. You need to find out who is single. And then you just need to hit the DMs. Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Ricardo has a place in LA. Single, boom. Not F1. He's not IndyCar, though. He's an F1. I think she'd take it. She could learn. She could learn. Yeah. Yeah. I think she'd be all right. Um, so, yeah, no, you got you to gotta find who's single and you got to get in the DM. So, basically, DM Connor. Yep. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's slim pickings, man. Even though we got a lot of young DMs drivers. are aggressively open. Maybe, maybe Kirkwood. Open. Does Kirkwood have a girlfriend? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, there's not a lot, even with the young guys. Yeah. Like, how do I think it's got a girlfriend? Christian's Colt's got, got a girlfriend. girlfriend. Christian's got a girlfriend. Dev, I think, has a girlfriend Dev now. Does have a girlfriend? Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, you're, you're you're slim pickings in the in 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 from the get go. But yeah. we wish you the best of luck. DMs DMs all day. All right. Well, then that, let's get to the next one. Um, obviously, keeping them anonymous. Uh, first off, I'm a huge fan. Y'all are awesome. Not them. Okay. You too. I like this guy <laughs> or girl. So I'm a college student and I have been making a bunch of friends. I met a great girl and we have been doing a lot of flirting. However, she has a boyfriend. I'm not the type of guy who's going to try and break up that relationship, but she has been flirting with me a ton and we have basically gone on a few dates together. What should I do? Uh, re- rewind this and back to dear <laughs> Bro. If you don't want to be that guy, then stop going don't on dates that, with her. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's a weird thing to say. We've already yeah. been on dates, but what should I do? I feel like I you've mean, already done it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, recall you meeting Kelly and she being somewhat. No, I got to cut that. No, no, that's it, fine. But very different situation. They didn't go on dates. We did not go on dates. Um, you did not ask her out. I did not ask her out. This was, you did, this was you did tell me pretty much right away. You're like, yeah, I'm going to though. Like this is how no, no, this no. is going to play out. No, no, no. <laughs> so what happened was she was a friend of Becky's. They still is. Me, still is. <laughs> James and I and Becky had a event in Miami. Becky asked Kelly to come down for kind of to keep her company. Cause James and I were going to be working all event. Kelly met me. I obviously knew that like I liked Kelly from what I saw on the internet. And then Kelly flew home and literally that day broke up with her boyfriend. So yeah, like, things were already, you know, it was, it was on the rocks. And then she met sure. this wonderful guy, Alex. And she's like, man, if this is what life could be like, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Right. Right. For sure. But like, we didn't go on dates and flirt. Yeah, fair, okay. Fair while enough. They were enough. dating. All right. So. Devil's advocate. It's not like this guy. I, I, I don't know. Does he have a relationship with the boyfriend? It's not like he owes the boyfriend anything. That is true. I think I think it's just I think it's time for an honest conversation with with the girl. Hey, it's weird. I feel I mean, weird going on dates with you yeah, if you've got a boyfriend. So I kind of need good, you to I kind of need advice. you to make making a make a call here. Because this is Ask Alex, I'm going to drop one just word of wisdom. I I'm going to say you should talk to the, that. James's advice is correct, and you should do that. Oh. But also, <laughs> so. As we like to say in Canada. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so I, no, think, I think I think that's how we ended it. I think we, yeah. I think we got great advice given. We'll see you guys next week. Get your tickets for the greatest spectacle in podcasting, Sun King Brewery. The show starts at 7, the meet and greet from 6 to 6.30. Tickets are limited. Half the proceeds go to the Stop and Go Foundation. It's going to be great. I'm excited. 
It's going to be a great time, guys. Come out, have fun, buy them shots if you want to just see a terrible, terrible display. Of I mean, you guys did schedule this on my on my birthday. So, yeah, buy me some shots. Oh, God, this is going to be terrible. Oh, Can't wait to see you disaster. guys. Can't wait to see you guys there. We'll see you next week. Have fun in Miami, Alex. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean fit. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.